0: Welcome everyone to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt. My name is Jessica. My name is Sarah. And if you would like to support the show, we would love to have you. We have bonus episodes on Patreon and Apple Podcasts. So you can go to patreon.com slash heaven in a miniskirt or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. We are going to start doing two bonus episodes per month to give you guys more bonus content and we really love our bonus episodes so hope you can come along for the ride oh and if you'd like to find us on social media you can find us on mostly instagram at heaven and a miniskirt we also have a tiktok at heaven and a miniskirt and a twitter at miniskirt pod but you're gonna find the most content on instagram and that's all sarah that is all because i go on
1: instagram and i have Officially deemed us a meme page slash yes. podcast page. I kind of gave up the dream of not being a meme page because, you know what, I've actually kind of enjoyed making memes, even though sometimes it gets me really angry. Going into Mark Driscoll's tweets just sets me on fire. Like, I cannot. <laughs> Why do you do it? I don't know. Because, like, you know what? Because someone needs to rebuke that motherfucker.
0: Maybe there aren't enough people rebuking
1: him. I think more people should rebuke him, but actually, like if you look at his Twitter comments or any, literally any comments, there are people that are rebuking Mark Driscoll. But like, I will add to that noise yeah. any fucking day. I will add to that noise. So, so today, today. Jinx. No, today, we, <laughs> today we are going to be talking about Noah's Ark, and you know what? It's funny because when I first started researching this episode. For some reason, I was like, we have to go through all the reasons why this is plausible. But humans out there, there are so many reasons why it's not plausible that there was a worldwide flood. Like, this is essentially recognized by, like, 99.99% of scientists. And there's just no evidence for a literal global flood. We will review some of the scientific evidence as to why that would not be plausible. But my focus is going to be on just the story of Noah the claims and the implications that those have had for christians for racial injustice like there is so much that comes out of this story so Interesting. we're going to okay. be re- we're going to be like reviewing the entire story of noah start to end and i just wanted to start off with grounding us in a fucking sane view
0: okay let's ground we're going to start
1: off with the biologos article because <laughs> okay. If you haven't heard our previous episodes, we've had the president of BioLogos, Deb Harrisman, before, and they're just, they're a lovely organization that is trying to make it so that Christians accept modern-day science, and we are here for it.
0: Because, yeah, of course we're a deconstruction podcast, but if somebody has a sane view on the world, we are here for it. I am not
1: here to eradicate religion. I think that meaning and questions and spirituality all have a, a place and some people find those answers in religion. And I love the the people who are connected with the religion that are also connected with reality mm. and science. <laughs> and so like, I love that for them. Even if I'm not religious, I am totally yeah. in support of organizations like BioLogos. They're making such a positive difference in terms mm-hmm. of scientific literacy within the Christian community. So that is why we platform organizations like this.
0: I'm glad that we're grounding ourselves in kindness because I feel like in about 10 minutes, we're gonna be like, fuck this shit, so. And that's
1: what I wanted to start with because I wanted to start with acknowledging that there are a lot of Christians out there who happen to be scientists that have the worldview of believing in an, an all-powerful creator, but they also recognize the evidence that's, all, that's out there within the world. Because while I'm on my little rant, I will say what I hate more than people like Ken Ham that are like, the Bible's a little truth is fucking atheist grifters who are like, oh my God, all people that believe in God or are Christians are dumbasses and they can't possibly be rational. Like just Are you talking
0: to your are you talking to your younger self right now? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'm talking to a lot of people right now.
1: Yeah. Cringy atheists or atheist grifters get me just as mad because they do so much harm. It's just as closed-minded. Yeah, they're just as closed-minded, and it's just as likely that they're creating this riff more so and barring public discourse and barring our ability to just, like, have good conversations and to agree on the
0: important things, such as
1: Noah's flood not being a literal truth.
0: But it's not going to get them clicks. (laughs)
1: Bio Logos, this, this article will be in the show notes if you want to look for yourself. But essentially, the article title is, How Should We Interpret the Genesis Flood Account? The flood story proclaims God's grace and love for his people. How should we interpret the Genesis Flood? It goes into the story from Genesis 6 to 9, the story of Noah, the worldwide flood, and how the literal interpretation tends to be central for young earth creationists. But Bio Logos is saying modern-day science gives us this different view of the world, and we know that there is no scientific and historical evidence for a global flood. Nor do all modern humans and animals descend from the passengers of a single vessel. So they are big on God's world and God's word. So when discoveries in God's world conflict with interpretations of God's words, Christians have three options. So either we abandon our faith in order to accept the results of science, which Jessica and I have done, number
0: one. Or <laughs> and that's number okay.
1: two, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> number two, we deny the scientific evidence to maintain our interpretations of scripture, which Ken Ham has done. And that's not okay. Or <laughs> number three, as Deb Harsma and many intelligent scientists who happen to believe in God have done, we reconsider our interpretations of scripture in light of the evidence from God's creation. So Christians obviously reject number one. And option two has a terrible historical track record. But number three, this is the best tradition for Christians. And history provides many examples of our knowledge changing. So they kind of, they talk about Copernicus and Galileo. So acknowledging that the earth is not the center of the universe. This was a big one because, you know, there used to be the belief that the sun went around the earth. And the moon went around the earth. And all the planets, everything revolved around the earth. We know this not to be true. And, you know... Copernicus at one point was threatened with being an apostate and of being a heretic for asserting something other than what the mainstream viewed as literal truth within Christianity. So BioLogos kind of continues on and says, like, God has written the book of nature. And so we should interpret scripture in light of nature, because God gives us truth in scripture and in the natural world. And the natural world, they shouldn't contradict. And if they do, it's clearly like a disconnect. So essentially, their interpretation of the flood story would be that the flood was regional and not a worldwide flood. Shocking. Shocking, yeah. (sighs) And so back in the time when the Old Testament was written, they oftentimes thought that the world was flat and that the stars, the cosmos, the sky, everything was like a dome above Earth.
0: Some people still believe that, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to get into that today, actually. I don't have the emotional bandwidth for fucking flat earthers right now. One crazy conspiracy at a time. So their
1: view, their meaning of the flood, they kind of view the flood account. They think the important part of it is like the story of Noah, the ark, the flood speaks to an inspired and powerful message about judgment and grace. And that has instructed God's people throughout the ages about God's hatred of sin and his love for creation. Most importantly, we see God's promise never to destroy the earth again, fully realized in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they're basically insinuating that, like, the whole important takeaway from this is that God hates sin and God is graceful and merciful and God wants to see humans be united with him. So I would personally not take the same message away from the flood story, but I love it for them. We're going to get into the flood story ourselves. We're going to kind of read through. I'll get Jessica's reactions because I don't know how recently Jessica has
0: read Genesis 6 to 9. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I'm glad that you are going to read the story because the, I mean, I'm sure I do know every detail, but it's been such a long time. But I've seen more like cartoons and, movies and probably those vhs's of the bible stories that you had at your house that i'm sure we watched it
1: was a great time
0: yeah <laughs> and i also saw evan almighty and that that is with steve corral and he has oh to make God. an arc oh yeah that i totally forgot about that movie but i've yeah. seen that too so my thoughts so far about what you've said is if somebody told me that they read the biologos article in noah's ark and was like yeah that's what i believe i'd be like that's amazing like who am I to say that the interpretation is wrong? It's just not right for me. I don't disagree with anything because I think there could have been a
1: guy named Noah who thought yeah. he was getting messages from God and made a boat and took some animals and his family on for a regional flood. That sounds plausible to me. Y-
0: yes. It's just a, I think the story with Noah's Ark, which we're going to get into in a second, but it's just filled with a lot of hatred. I know Christians can interpret that as God's grace, but it doesn't feel like that to me. You
1: mean like wiping out all of creation, humanity, all the animals doesn't sound like a very graceful or merciful thing to do. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> okay. So this is, we're going to cue the story time with Sarah song. Typically, it comes at the end. And basically, this whole episode will be story time with Sarah because we're going to go through Genesis. And then we'll talk a little bit about the socio-cultural impacts of this story and Some other things, but a bulk of this will be going through three fucking chapters of Genesis. So buckle up, yo. (laughs) Buckle up. One hell of a fucking ride. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: Welcome to Storytime with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, The Bible. So we're going to just go with the NIV
1: because, you know, I don't want anything too crazy – I want it to be modern enough that it sounds like English, but sexist enough that the he, him pronoun is used when we're describing multiple people. So we'll just stick with NIV. (laughs) Okay, Genesis 6 starts off, the headline is Wickedness of the World. So it said, When human beings began to increase in the number on earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married them. And then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever. For they are mortal; their days will be numbered to 120 years. (laughs) Basically, the the Christian interpretation is that humans would have lived forever. The fall happened. Methuselah lived to be like 967, I think, but like he was the longest living dude. You know, the farther our genetics got from the purity of the Garden of Eden, the shorter we're going to live because there's all kinds of disease and death and blah blah blah. (laughs) then we gotta like shout out to the nephilim we have a whole episode on this if you want to dive deeper but (laughs) the nephilim Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of god went to the daughters of humans and had children by them they were the heroes of old men of renown shout out to hercules doesn't say that but yeah
0: oh my Um, god the nephilim episode was a wild ride yeah it's unhinged.
1: part of the issue here god was pissed off because the nephilim were there these like Angel-human hybrids. Maybe giants. If you really want to get into conspiracy theory, Christian TikTok.
0: They're under the river Euphrates, Sarah. Those (laughs) humans are rattling.
1: (laughs) So humans are wicked. And so basically God was like, ugh, I have regrets. I regret making humans. And I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race, the animals, the birds, the creatures that crawl along the ground. I regret having made them. But... Noah had favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. So Noah was righteous and blameless, and he walked faithfully with God. He had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, not to be confused with, like, the meat. It's just a name. <laughs> just... Um, and so the earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was full of violence. So God thought, why not add to the violence and kill everyone?
0: Uh, is that a <laughs> <in the> NIV? <laughs> no, it's not. So this, is, this is the Sarah interpretation of the this, Bible. Is
1: the this is the SIV, the Sarah International Version. Um, <laughs> so God saw how corrupt the earth had become, full of people on earth that were corrupted. He loves the word corrupt. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all of this for the earth is filled with violence and because of them, I'm surely going to destroy them all. So make yourself an ark out of wood and make rooms in it and coated with pitch inside and out. So he's like, this is how you build it. The arc is gonna be three hundred cubits long, fifty cubits wide, and thirty cubits high. Do you know what the measurement for a cubit is, Jess? Not a clue. So it is from the elbow to the wrist. So that is so, a cubit. But So we don't really know what it is. Yeah, I was gonna say the cubit I don't varies it varies depending on gender and
0: genetics. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> so Okay, but that's a lot of cubits.
1: Yes, it's a lot of cubits. It's big. And I mean, this is a three story boat. And so he said, I'm going to bring in floodwaters and I'm going to destroy every creature under the heaven, everything that breathes. Everything's going to perish. Everything's going to die. But I will establish a covenant with you and your wife and your sons and your son wives. And you are to bring into the ark two of each living creature, male and female to keep them alive for you. And then we'll have lots of incest. It's great. (laughs) So he said two of every kind of bird, two of every kind of animal. And because we know that dinosaurs are part of the land animals, quote, Ken
0: Ham, (laughs) then the dinosaurs went on the boats too. But then they just went extinct. No explanation needed.
1: Yeah, we don't know. It's sin. It's just sin. Okay, so, so two of every kind of bird. And you know what? God is not talking about the marine mammals and the fish. And all of the plants, which would surely die being covered in water and then having like tons of rotting carcasses of all the humans and land animals in them. But anyway, so Noah was like, no questions asked. Noah listened to God. And so then God said, go into the ark. So we're just kind of skipping over this period.
0: Oh, we don't know how long it took? (laughs) Well, some
1: people are like, it would. Noah had like 85 years to build the ark and he probably hired people to help him because like that would be too much.
0: But don't tell them what it is don't yeah. tell them what don't it tell is. them what it is i'm just building a hotel don't worry about it <laughs> and so god said take
1: with you seven pairs of every clean animal so like all the ones that you're allowed to eat but then the ones that they're not allowed to eat like pigs he just wanted two of them because like god likes the cows god hates the pigs don't ask questions we don't know why makes total sense and then god said seven days from now i'm gonna send rain To the earth for 40 days and 40 nights i'm gonna wipe off everything from the face of the earth every living creature i made
0: didn't jesus go in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights too he did yeah 40
1: is a a very important number i don't know exactly why maybe that's a future episode
0: okay (laughs) can you guess how old noah was at the time 300 (laughs) 400 are we going up or down Up. up he was spry 700 600 years old Young spry gentlemen. Young
1: spry 600-year-old just building a fucking tanker of a boat to put every living creature on Earth on. Makes sense. And yeah. so Noah and his sons and his sons' wives. And I will note that there is absolutely no reason that we need the wives' names in this story because wives are wives and they're not really important.
0: Yeah, of uh, course.
1: <laughs> so they basically they packed up every single thing onto the boat. And within seven days, the water came. It was the 17th day of the month. Water was coming. So apparently like springs of the deep burst open. So water's coming out of the rivers and then the floodgates of heaven open. And rain how is falling. A, how does
0: water come out, spring out of a river? Like, it's is there a hole in the bottom that it like, like a faucet that just shoots up? Bro,
1: it is coming from the depths of the earth. God is pissed and God can work in mysterious ways. No, oh, so yeah. It's just sorry. like <laughs> as much water as possible because I got to kill all these bitches. That's yeah. what's happening. And so on that very day, Noah and his son Shem, Ham, and Japheth together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, one in the ark, and they had with them every animal according to its kind, and then the Lord shut him in. He didn't need to shut the door behind him. He didn't need an automatic door closer. God did. God did it.
0: Wow. He did.
1: For 40 days, the water kept coming, and then like the waters were so high that they lifted the ark above the earth. They kept rising greatly, the waters rose, it it repeats again and again, you know, and all the animals, all the birds, all the livestock, all the wild animals, all the things that swarm the earth and all humans died. Everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils died. It's very clear, it repeats it like 20 times, everything died. Okay,
0: this is totally normal and cool behavior.
1: But God remembered Noah and all the ant- wild animals and livestock that were with him. He
0: remembered? Oh, that's good. He remembered.
1: And then he sent wind. He sent wind and the waters receded because of the wind. So I think he just went <sighs> with his big mouth. Big God <laughs> With his big mouth. <laughs> he does have a big mouth in the Old Testament. The waters receded. And then on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat, which is in Turkey, which we will get into later because... There's tons of uh, Christian geologists (laughs) looking for Noah's Ark to this day. And so essentially the top of the mountains were visible. And then like Noah opened a window and he was like, I'm going to send a raven out and see if the earth is dry. Then he sent out a dove, but the dove could not find anywhere to perch, so he didn't come back. And then he sent it out again and then it came back with an olive leaf. And then Noah knew the water had receded. And so he waited seven more days, sent it out again. It didn't return. Um, And by this time, we know it was the first month of Noah's 600 in first year. He's 601 now. And the part that kind of blows my mind is like he's 601 and him and his wife only had three kids and his kids don't have any kids yet. And he's 601. So if he's 601, his kids must be at least 400. The math is not mathing, is it?
0: No, nothing makes any sense there. <laughs> I don't think this is our biggest concern right now.
1: <laughs> and then God said to Noah, come out of the ark with you and your wife and your son and their wives and bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number. So Noah came out with his sons and his wife and his son's wives and all the animals and all the creatures that came out of the ark. And then Noah built an altar to the Lord, taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, and he sacrificed them. Okay, so the oh my God. the thing here. Okay, so there were seven couples of male and female for the clean animals. So, yes. so he's sacrificing them and he's like drastically reducing the chance that they're gonna go on and reproduce.
0: It's gonna take centuries to get any and, and right. it's all incestual. But there's also just like no genetic variation. Like there are so
1: many holes in this plot. But obviously, like, this was written before we knew anything about genetics and, you know, when incest was, like, common and accepted Mm because Abraham and Sarah were siblings. So the Bible outlaws incest, yet they were still siblings, but they were only half siblings, which is equal to first cousins, which in my province, if you're first cousins, you can get married because in the Bible, it's not. This is a, a true thing. In the Bible, it is. In the Bible, it is not against. The commands. And so therefore in my province, you can get married if you are first cousins.
0: Sarah, I don't even know what to say right now. What the fuck? Why are laws being made because of this fucking book? I cannot.
1: (laughs) It's crazy. Why are laws being made because of any particular book that is thousands of years old? We as humans need to move on and recognize that we construct our own reality and we can reassess and
0: redo and reevaluate it's easy for us to say but yeah I know know, just fascinating the mindsets that you come across
1: well I get it I think it is also like questioning is in human nature but I also think having a sense of certainty and purpose and order to
0: the world also fits so well within our comfort zone as human beings and it makes sense the biggest lesson that I've learned as an adult is that there's no certainty there's no comfort but that's not that big a deal when you just accept it it's actually not that scary i know that it seems scary for people that are deep in their faith and deep in their certainty but it's actually very liberating but i think
1: i can see why people struggle with that because it's uncomfortable living with the nuance and the acceptance of not having an answer for every question so continuing on we're almost to chapter nine we're so close the lord smelled the pleasing aroma after he smelled the, the burnt offerings, he was like, <laughs> dead meat, dead bodies. Does he smell? I didn't know that yeah. God
0: had... Okay. He has a nose.
1: He has a mouth and a nose. Okay. Yeah. So he he smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood.
0: Didn't he create us in his image? Yeah, but we ate the fruit, bro. We ate the fruit. Yeah, but like the fruit just gave us knowledge that god already had is his heart evil
1: too i mean your question is his heart evil if i look at the god of the old testament if i look i feel like there is so much evil there i feel like he is just a personality that never kind of evolved that never kind of grew up never knew how to you know separate himself have boundaries like he's just overly involved in everything um Never gonna, so basically, yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna ever curse people again. And then he makes a covenant with Noah. He's like, Be fruitful, fill the earth. You're 601, have sex. Um, And then, (laughs) (laughs) like, he's like, Everything that lives and moves will be your food. And he's like, Now I'm making a covenant with you and I'm showing you a rainbow. This is the sign of the covenant. Oh,
0: here's the rainbow. Yeah, this is the rainbow. That gays have stolen. The gay, yeah, Yes. <laughs> so the rainbow is an interesting thing. So the rainbow is a sign of the promise that he made that he's not going to murder everyone again. It's a covenant that, that he's not
1: going to kill everything again. Wow.
0: Okay. And he
1: said, I will see the rainbow and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures. Okay. And then we have the sons of Noah. So I'm going to just include this in because this is like a weird story. And this story was used... To perpetuate slavery. Oh no! Yes, you heard it. Modern day slavery. I say modern day because we're talking 17, 1800s, United States, Canada. This was used to justify the slavery of African people. Right. The sons of Noah. So there were, they came out of the ark, and there was Shem, and there was Ham, and there there was Japheth, and he had three sons, and from them people were scattered all over the earth. So Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became very drunk and laid on covered in his tent. So Noah is naked. And then it says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their father's shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. So they were like, Shem and Japheth were like, we're closing our eyes and we're going to just like drape this garment over his dick so we don't see it unfortunately ham saw it because ham just went into the tent he didn't know that daddy noah was like naked and passed out but he was and then then noah woke up though when noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him aka just seen him naked noah said cursed be canaan the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers he also said praise be to the lord of shem may canaan be the slave of shem May God extend territory, may Japheth live in tents of Shem, and may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years, Noah lived a total of 950 years, then he died. So this is referred to, like, Ham is thought to be, was, like, folklore within Christianity, that, like, Ham, Shem, and Japheth were each one race. So, like, Caucasian, Asian, and Black. And so Ham is thought to be the Black one, and that is how slavery was justified, because they're like, well, he was cursed. They were cursed to be the slaves of white people and Asian people. So this is okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) What?
0: Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Okay. I need to, like, Christian folklore. So that's not in the Bible. And it's just Christian. Where does that come from? Well, it's because the Canaanites
1: were, like, North African, I believe. So it kind of came from the genealogies of Noah and the genealogies in the Bible. uh, the Noah's descendants.
0: does um do, do his sons all have different mothers or something? I don't understand no. how one can be black, white, and Asian.
1: Oh, this is how the world is multiracial, Jess.
0: They all popped out as different races and then got on the ark? Yeah, God had so much genetic info
1: and this is how he did it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I think my IQ just dropped like 10 points. I was told growing up that Jem, Ham, and Japheth were all different races. And that is like God use genetic information to be able to repopulate the earth.
0: Okay. So there's only three races, according to the the Bible, black, white, and Asian. That's it. But I think the main takeaway
1: from why I wanted to include that other part was just the implications of that narrative and how that was used within the last couple hundred years to justify the enslavement Of an entire race of people.
0: Okay, so that was used to justify slavery. Do we know by who? Americans. Like all of them.
1: The ones that were pro slavery. That is what they look to in the (sighs) Bible to justify slavery. And it's sad that that is still used among white supremacists to justify the white superiority complex.
0: They're still using that? Yeah. Like I'm not surprised. I'm just. I just have never heard of it. This is not surprising that they're using the Bible. And it's It's unfortunate because
1: that piece coupled with Paul gives instructions on how to treat your slaves properly. The Old Testament has all kinds of rules for how does one sell their daughter into slavery? So that narrative was used to perpetuate slavery. And then the hard part about the Bible is also the Bible was used to justify not having slaves. And this is when people come and talk about like, Oh, the biblical interpretation, the right interpretation. It is such a broad book and people can use it for their own motives and their own beliefs to justify whatever the fuck they want. And that's yeah. the problem, right? And that's when like the North and the South, when they're fighting to abolish slavery or they're fighting over slavery between the, the Civil War and the United States, both sides were using scripture. Both sides thought that they had the correct message from God. And obviously we would side with the North who thought that because it says in Galatians there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no slave, there is no master, there is no male or female. We are all one in Christ. They use verses like that to justify the liberation and the abolishment of slavery.
0: I am so depressed. Do we okay. have anything uplifting? Yeah. Let's, uh... <laughs> This is heavy. This is heavy. I, I didn't expect it, and I don't know if you expected it when you started researching either.
1: Um, I mean, like, I knew, and I really wanted to include the story of Shem, Ham, and Japheth in there because I think, it's, I think it's important. One thing that I do find interesting is that there are many cultures that have flood myths, not just, like, Judeo-Christian tradition. There are many different flood myths, but I think it also makes sense because, like, there are many regional floods across the earth and like being human beings, we are curious. We like having answers. And so we're going to come up with explanations and we're going to come up with
0: a wrathful God.
1: Yeah, we're going to come mean, up with yeah. like stories and narratives to describe what is happening if we feel like we can't understand it. A great yeah. example I shared on our story today in India, there's some like statue of Jesus and it started like leaking water and from Jesus's feet there were these drips of water and people were like this is holy and they were like they were collecting it and drinking it you know what it ended up being it was a fucking backed up toilet bro like it was oh. a backed up toilet <laughs> and so i think this we can just apply that narrative to so much of human experience right we want to make things holy when they're just like a backed up toilet
0: that's a very good metaphor for a lot of things yes
1: <laughs> yeah and so i think it's natural to want to connect big events To something that we feel like is within our control. So if I'm holy, this is not going to happen again. Bad things won't happen. Mm -hmm. We want to have that internal locus of control when as human beings, there's so much outside of our control and outside of our understanding.
0: I understand that that's a terrifying thought for a lot of people. So I I, I get it, especially back then before a lot of things were known about the world. You have to try to make sense of what's going on around you. Yeah. So now I'm going to force you to read something. Oh, goody. Because we've we've already talked about
1: logos, so we've dug into the Word and looked at what it says, and now we're going to go to the far right interpretation and just...
0: So the link says Answers in Genesis, and so I bet that this is going to be a great read. Okay, so Sarah, can you explain to our dear listeners what is Answers in Genesis if they don't know? So Answers in Genesis
1: is a literalist young earth creation website that believes that every answer to any question that humanity might have, whether scientific or moral, will be in the first 11 chapters of Genesis in the Old Testament. Does that wrap it up, Jess?
0: I'd say so. And who created Answers in Genesis, Sarah? Ken Ham and John McKay. This was created by the one and only Ken Ham. So shall I start? In terms of history, almost every culture has her tradition of a global flood on Earth, which is one of the strongest lines of evidence, oh my god, for the biblical worldwide flood described in Genesis. So that's evidence? Okay, (laughs) oh, we're off to a good start, Sarah. And in a large majority of the flood accounts, a favored family is chosen to survive the flood. Okay, so what did Noah's Ark look like? Scripture does not elaborate on the shape of Noah's Ark, but... Beyond the superb overall proportions, length, breadth, and depth, whatever. How many people built the ark? The Bible tells us how many people were on board of the ark, but it does not tell us how many people were involved in building it. While we would not be dogmatic on this point, it is consistent with God's word to believe that more than eight people were involved in the ark's construction. A possibility is that Noah hired people to help him build the ark okay how many animals are on noro's ark even without bacteria fungi plants and sea creatures on the ark lots of species remain to be accounted for the key is to understand the word used in scripture kind which means it's hebrew min the bible oh Sarah's just shaking her head they try and create their own biology saying kind
1: is like whenever two species can reproduce with each other so essentially they think that like God just had a zebra go on, but that could account for a zebra, horses, ponies, donkeys. Like all the genetic info was in two individuals. What? Yeah, it
0: doesn't line up with modern day understanding of biology. Could Noah's family care for all the animals? It is not necessary or required by scripture to appeal to miracles for the provision and daily care of the animals on the ark. Many solutions to seemingly insurmountable problems are rather straightforward. Are they, though? Are they? No. That's the stupidest answer. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The answer here could Noah's family care for the animals? Don't fucking worry about it. That's the answer. So they say that the answer to everybody's questions can be found in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. So if the answer isn't there, is the answer, don't worry about it? (laughs) Don't worry,
1: bro. Yeah. So essentially, now we're going to get to some common objections. Like I said, I started out looking into the reasons as to why this was not scientifically plausible and then I was like, you know what? This is not something that is accepted by anybody who is a scientist in modern times and therefore I do not need to justify why Noah's ark did not literally happen as a global flood <laughs> to literally anyone listening to this podcast. Yeah. And I that came <laughs> to my mind cuz I was like, you know what? whether someone is an atheist or agnostic or Christian or like whoever you are listening to this, you probably are someone who is progressive and view science as a great way to understand how the earth came to be and to answer our questions and you do not necessarily believe in a literal Noah's Ark. I'm preaching to the choir here if I'm talking about anything. I'll just like skim through a many of the hundreds of reasons as to why this is not a plausible literal story (laughs) okay thank you okay so sarah is on her fucking
0: soapbox all right (laughs) i
1: am so i mean if we look at number one ancient shipbuilding noah faced unique challenges the ark's size surpassed any known vessel in that area ancient shipbuilding had limited sophistication compared to the ark scale Noah lacked a shipbuilding tradition. He didn't have education, in naval architecture, and the knowledge of future fields like physics, calculus, mechanics, and structural analysis. The arc size, safety, and skill requirements exceeded naturalistic explanations of what was capable at the time. say Noah followed God's orders and built this, all of Noah's knowledge of naval engineering vanished post-flood. Oh, he drank too much wine post flood. He couldn't possibly have. <laughs> and then done he was anything. just like, he was traumatized because his son saw him naked when he was drunk and passed out. And then he cursed an entire race of humans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 needs of the animals. So the internal organization of the ark would be crucial. And there are like technical challenges, including proper spacing, feeding, watering troughs, cage design for various animals, transportation considerations.
0: Ken Ham answered that question already, which is the answer is pretty straightforward. And that was it. (laughs) He didn't say what that meant. He just said, don't worry, it's pretty straightforward. (laughs) And I mean, what about the non-marine
1: animals? So creationists suggest that many species could have survived outside the ark, including fish, marine invertebrates, aquatic animals, amphibians, seabirds, and specific land animals. But... This like honestly this raised questions because you think of the diversity of the aquatic regimes and floodwaters would not suit all in aquatic
0: life. Because like this is like we're talking freshwater versus saltwater too, right? Yeah. Did Is it implied that all the fish died too? No. Like all the marine animals died? No. Oh, okay. They were an
1: evil. God didn't care.
0: Oh, yeah. With
1: this kind of like worldwide flood, there would be like increased geological activity. So like volcanic eruptions, seafloor spreading, continental shifts, which would create an inhospitable and lethal environment for marine life. I mean, the heat and energy that would be generated by this make it implausible with all of the mixing of water. It would be a special
0: miracle for marine life to survive outside of the ark. There you go, Sarah. You answered your own question. It was just some... It was just God's miracles. Don't question them. But there's like, there's honestly, there's so many things. So like, oh yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to convince me.
1: (laughs) We would need like 1.2 million species on this tiny wooden ark. This is like
0: not happening. Sarah, unless you create your own definition of biology, like Ken Ham did. (sighs) I just like, I have so, I have so many things on here that just like, (sighs) it just does not add up. There's no physical evidence for a worldwide flood we don't really need a million reasons why it's also implausible because there's no fucking evidence that that this could ever happen, ever. I have a TED Talk for you that I found kind of enlightening.
1: It's only a few minutes long. I thought we could watch it and insert it in here. But what I really like about this is it does not totally negate the idea of a flood being in human oral traditions, but it it also just does a beautiful way of capturing how Noah's literal flood would not be a real...
2: As a geologist, I've had a lot of surprises in the field, but I never expected that a field excursion to a remote corner of Tibet would lead me to a new appreciation for the biblical story of Noah's flood. But there in the headwaters of the Brahmaputra River, we discovered evidence for how a wall of ice and mud descended the flanks of a 25,000-foot-high peak to block the river. And this glacial dam backed up an enormous lake on the edge of the Tibetan Plateau. And as you might imagine, ice does not make for a very good dam. And when the dam failed, as it inevitably would have, it sent a wall of water surging down the biggest, deepest gorge on earth. Did Tibetan villagers really have an oral tradition of our ancient flood? Well, I was intrigued, and this got me interested in looking into the origin of other flood stories from around the world. As a geologist, and like most geologists, I considered such stories fairy tales, uh, rooted in superstition. But as I started to look into other flood stories, I started to realize that an awful lot of areas that had geological evidence for really big ancient floods also had deep cultural traditions of flood stories. You
0: look so boring.
2: Fast forward now to the 21st century. So and public opinion polls consistently indicate that about 40% of the American public believes creationist ideas that fly in the face of geological evidence, ideas like the world is less than 10,000 years old, and that people and dinosaurs lived together in harmony in the days before a war world-wrecking flood. Well, I was even more surprised to realize that creationism, modern creationism, is one of the most recently evolved forms of Christianity. Not even the, the original fundamentalists of the early 20th century did not believe the discredited idea of a global flood. I wonder how many of today's creationists know this. Well, why is all this important today and relevant? Well, we have always and always will interpret the world around us through what we believe and what we conceive for ourselves to be true, the filter of faith and the lens of reason. Now, as for Noah's Flood, we know it was not a global flood, but it could have been a local flood or regional flood. It might have been the flooding of the Black Sea. It could have been a catastrophic Mesopotamian flood. I don't think it actually really matters. Um, But if we look at the history of thinking about Noah's Flood, it reveals the, the power and value of an open mind and how both reason and faith shape the evolution of science and religion. And I can't help but think that portraying a fundamental conflict between science and religion is particularly dangerous today now that we really need new creative solutions to basic social and environmental problems if we're going to maintain civilization on this rock in space. And I'm pretty sure that if you think you know everything, you will never learn anything.
1: I know that bored you at the end. But like the quote, though, if you you think you know everything, then it's going to be hard to learn anything. Forty percent. Forty percent of Americans today still believe that the earth is less than 10,000 years old and a global flood happened. Mm-hmm. And we think about the power that the U.S. is on a global scale and we think about the influence that they have politically. That's
0: scary. Yeah, that is scary. We learned this before. on the podcast, And I know like we, yes. we have
1: delved into this and we could go more into Ken Ham. I watched the whole fucking hour and a half tour where... Bill Nye is going around the Ark Museum with Ken Ham. And I just like, I did not have it in me for the life of me to bring that into this episode. Because you know what? This is settled. This is already settled. Like anyone who is a geologist knows that this is settled. I don't have to, I, that's where I came to the point. I was like, oh, I am not a debate podcast trying to convince young earth creationists that Noah's Ark is not literally true. What I'm doing here is talking about the nuances of this story and how it is possible to kind of view this as a human narrative of maybe a regional flood that happened. Humans had experiences and recorded them historically, but their knowledge of what the earth was and their entire worldview was so different because they had so many things that they believed about the world that were just wrong. And they didn't know.
0: They were like, oh, my gosh, it flooded in Mesopotamia. It flooded in the whole world because they don't realize how big the
1: world is. And that's where, like, if you look into any literally any human culture, believed that there was some sort of God and some sort of higher power God or gods that were telling them to do specific things. They had to do specific things. And it all centered. It was all like ethnocentric around that one group. I think when you get a bigger view of the world and you start to see. Humans migrating all around the world and humans interacting with each other cross culturally, you see, oh, there's so many different views. And like, even if there is a higher power, these little ethnocentric deities that we've created for ourselves do not begin to describe the expanse of the unknown, whether that's a God or we're agnostic. There's so much mystery out there. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I know the will of God or if there is a God or a creator or anything. But at the end of the day, I think that like, we can take something away from these traditions and
0: these stories. Stories are just humans trying to make sense of what is going on around them, as you said before. And in my opinion, gods and the creation of gods is just the human way to try to bring order into something confusing and unknown
1: and that is so human to want to do
0: yes and all of these stories are they we've talked about some bible stories and we're just like this reeks of like a man-made story like just the way that these stories are told the way that the stories go in the bible you're like somebody like this is humans this is humans writing this with the knowledge that we have which in my opinion if there is a god We can't even begin to comprehend what their goals or hopes for anything is. There's just there's no way because we think as humans that we're the most intelligent species in the universe.
1: And there are probably tons of other species out there like we don't know.
0: Yeah. And if there isn't, then I still don't think that we're smarter than, quote unquote, God.
1: We've talked about the concept of like being a parent and wanting to have easy answers and certainty for your children. And I do think that plays a big role for people because a lot of people, especially in our generation that I've seen, they end up going back to church when they're raising families because they're like, well, it's good for kids to have, you know, like a basis, a grounding, a set of that rules and That is wild
0: to think about. But it's true. So true. But for me, I would never, not just because I'm doing this podcast, okay, even before we did the podcast, I would never, <laughs> that would be like the opposite of a worldview that would that I think would comfort a child. But I understand that for other people, it is comforting. I know it is. I know it's no. comforting for people. Yeah. it's it, Everybody's different, which is not surprising. But as parents, yeah, we definitely want to make our kids' lives as easy as possible. And we want to give them the answers that we can. Because you think about all the weird questions that your kids ask. How much better would it be if you could just be like, I don't know, God works mysterious ways. And then, like, move on. Right. So much easier. You want to try to find the actual answer or be like I don't know we don't know and they'll have to grapple with that and I just say
1: I don't know like that is my, at the end of the day I'm like you know there are all kinds of gods but they're all legends they're all humans ways of trying to explain the greatness of everything and that's all I can hope to do and I mean like maybe they will be religious and that would be a whole other <laughs> personal struggle for me but at yes. the end of the day I don't want to I don't want to demonize religion or spirituality I want that to be a journey that they can take themselves without the sort of bias of the Judeo-Christian worldview I was raised with because I grew up thinking that anyone that doesn't think the same as me is gonna burn in hell for eternity Mm -hmm. or they're Mm -hmm. demonic or like any proof that they would have or any personal spiritual experience they would have would just be the devil trying to lead them astray and so it's just like
0: how about we just like don't
1: invalidate other humans experience and we just allow people to be as long as they're not hurting anyone. We can't have that, Sarah. Because then they'll
0: burn in hell for eternity. And
1: Yeah, uh, I look at these narratives and, like, things like Noah. And I'm happy I arrived where I did at this place for this episode because I feel like even a year ago I would have spent the whole episode talking about, like, arguments as to why this didn't happen and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, you know what? This is, like everyone knows
0: like this is indisputable people know
1: like we know this literally like a worldwide global flood didn't happen we know the earth isn't thousand years old and if someone doesn't believe the same it's because they're like they're not accepting modern day science and the best evidence we have as humans at this time
0: but like it it is indisputable if you don't as a person believe in modern day science like i don't think that i can have a constructive conversation with you. Not on not on this topic, certainly. No, no, no. Let's talk about something else, man. Because if Ken Ham were here, we would have to change the subject. Because there's just no you're not living on the same planet. You're not on like your brains are just in totally different places. And if he's not willing to budge, and I'm certainly not willing to budge, at least on my belief in modern science, then there's no conversation to be had. And that's when we were watching the debate between Bill Nye and Ken Ham, like They're both just not connecting because I really, truly just believe like, and I don't want to be a dick to Ken Ham, even though I do, but he just can't, there's no nuance allowed in his way of thinking, which I find very bizarre because he is a scientist. Like, doesn't he have a Ph.D.? Like you can't be that close minded and have a PhD. Obviously you can. Yeah, you but can. In, <laughs> no, yes, you can obviously because you can Because
1: intelligence and religion are not mutually exclusive. This is the depth, these ideas, this ideology, this wanting for this to be the truth, for this to be where you start in your worldview, the Bible, and you you interpret everything else from that lens. That is it is so powerful for people. And that that's where like why I started the episode, grounding it in. In a Christian view, even though we're not a Christian podcast, but acknowledging, like, I want people to know that there's so much nuance here. It would have been way more fun
0: for us to just come on here and dunk on. Yeah, we can just,
1: like, dunk on it and make fun of it. But at the end of the day, like, that's not productive. And the only way we're going to move forward as a species is if we can we can find those commonalities and we can use the most powerful thing humans have, the scientific method, to continue on and to gain knowledge and to answer these global questions we're having and these problems that we have to address like global warming, climate change and it's just the lens that Ken Ham has, is, it's so small The reason why Deb Harsma and Bill Nye don't have episodes doing debates because they agree on modern science and like there was one part in his quote unquote debate slash like arc museum walkthrough where there was this young girl that was maybe like eight to ten years old and she was saying to Ken Ham where did the first people come from and he was talking about it and then he was talking about the ark and then Bill Nye was like hey I know you're hearing all these things and all the adults in your life are saying this is true but I hope as you get older you can ask the questions that you need to ask and you can look at all the evidence she was like I agree with Ken Ham and he's like yeah I get okay. that Bill. you know as you get older like you're gonna you are going to You might see the world in a different way, and I want you to be able to ask the questions you need to ask.
0: And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm eight. But that's all we can ask of people. That's all you can say. And you don't see it when you're young. It's really nice to have blind faith. We don't have to agree on everything. I think, like you said, religion can be a really beautiful thing for people. Spirituality, witchcraft, all the things. I, I implore every human being to have a faith in whatever makes you happy but you have to accept the f- literal reality that we are living in because i think like you said everybody like your reality is whatever you're constructing in your fucking head i really think that the main thing for me
1: that i have realized humanity's love for the binary and wanting to have those concrete answers and one thing i'm realizing too the more that we go on and do this podcast is just like the negative rhetoric also within the atheist community and how People are so hell bent on just bashing and
0: dunking on every Christian thing. Like if someone isn't hurting someone. I think me and you are at a point in our lives where we know that is so mean and unproductive. Like you're just making the divide bigger. But I think the biggest lesson that I have learned since starting this podcast is the nuance is not clickbaity. Number one. yeah, It doesn't get as many views. It's not as satisfying and it doesn't like satisfy that binary need within your soul but in terms of overall fulfillment in your life it actually is more fulfilling
1: we're not going viral over the shit we're saying in this episode you know what i mean like (laughs) we could say some edgy shit and like maybe (laughs) go viral but like be being compassionate and acknowledging nuance and talking about both sides like that's never gonna get you clicks and views in the way that you might want but like That is a whole set of desires
0: that are just like, it's not compassionate. It's not kind. It's not what's best for humanity. When I was on Instagram and TikTok, like when I was on it a lot more, like I'm not saying that I'm completely off it, but all of the stuff that I used to post was mean (laughs) and it got a lot of views. And I don't like that anymore. And it hasn't been that long since I had a video go viral. It has been about a year now. And yeah, I, that's true, and eh? I actually wasn't that mean in the video. I was very self-deprecating. But what I'm saying is if I had been too nuanced in that video, nobody would have liked it. No one would have and watched it. This is why the world has become divided because news media outlets, and I'm not being like a person that's like every news media outlet is lying because that is also a very binary way of thinking. But news media is a business, and they're trying to make money yeah. and guess what they have to do to make money they got to get eyes on the screen and do you know how how they get eyes on the screen they create clickbait and they create outrage and they get people addicted to anger and outrage and so you have to realize that yourself like as And we point. are
1: inherently humans have more of a dopamine rush from those extreme headlines and those like very like divisive headlines and like you said the whatever is like outlandish and crazy like we want to click on that and we want to know but
0: yeah should we go back to Noah's Ark we're not even talking about it (laughs) okay so we're gonna just like
1: we're gonna wrap up Noah's Ark now and I mean at the end of the day like I think what I've learned through this process and researching Noah's Ark was like okay my mission is not to prove to people that the Bible is wrong because I mean science has already proved that Noah's Ark in particular is not an accurate depiction of what has happened geologically 4,000 years ago.
0: But there might there was probably a
1: regional flood. Yeah, there was probably a regional flood. And the reason why I shared the TED Talk that Jessica thought was incredibly boring, we're going to put in the show notes, most of it is probably cut out of this episode. It's because, <laughs> like, someone acknowledging the nuance and the, the beauty and the compelling thing about oral history is that it has elements of truth through the lens of a society that did not understand... Modern day geology and you know science. So, what did you learn, Jessica, today? Oh
0: my God, Sarah, this was a heavy one. Now, did you enjoy um, it though? Like I, I enjoyed it because I love this shit. Will other people enjoy it? Let us know. Let us know if you like us having these nuanced talks, or if you want us to just shut the hell up and get off our soapboxes. I'm not sure, but I think I was assuming we were gonna dunk on Ken Ham more. But I think it's okay that we don't because we've done that a lot. And there's no need to because everybody that's listening that knows who Ken Ham is, is like Ken Ham's out of his mind. He dunks on himself.
1: Like any time he talks, like like I started listening to a couple of his YouTube talks and I'm just like, why the modern day science view of Noah is so wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I just can't like you can't make that shit up. And like he like if you want to dunk on Ken Ham, he
0: does it enough himself. I'm not going to go do that. I, sometimes I feel like he's joking. That's how outrageous it is. And Yeah, so, I know. So we'll stop there. What about Ken Ham? Yeah. What did I learn? Well, I learned that I didn't know about the racism thing. And so that was really surprising and really depressing. When I think about modern day slavery, as in the transatlantic slave trade, I just never thought... I don't know why I didn't think this, but I didn't think the Bible was involved. Of course, the Bible was involved, but it never really occurred to me. But it was involved on both ends. Like
1: it has been for any civil rights movement in
0: Judeo-Christian society. A lot of people tend to underestimate how much the Bible is involved in history, in like the way that the world works. And sometimes it's positive, but sometimes it's not. And like you said, there, is, there was the people that fought against slavery using the Bible. Would they have to, had to have done that if the other people use the Bible for slavery? Maybe not. But there are really good things that come from the Bible and there's really bad things that come from the Bible. And
1: we see that today with the civil rights movement for LGBTQ plus people. Like we literally see verses being used against queer people and why their existence is not real or valid and why it's sinful versus people that are like, oh my God, Jesus would not be here for any of your transphobic, homophobic bullshit. I don't know.
0: And if he was, then he is absolutely not somebody that I would want to follow. I think people make Jesus into whoever they want Jesus to be. And whoever Jesus is to them is the perfect scapegoat for any argument that they have. So I learned that I, again, Biologos is great. If you're a Christian and you were like, I've never really thought about Noah's Ark. Well, guess what? There's a way that you can reconcile that. And still stay a Christian. Just go to biologos.org. If anyone's a Christian for any issue, I'm just going to direct them to biologos.org. Yeah, don't that talk org. to us. Just go to like, biologos. I'm here for it. We'll put them in the show notes. What did you learn, Sarah? We are so far up our own asses right now, by the way. <laughs> like, I just feel like we're sniffing our own farts so hard, but I don't care. <laughs> so elaborate on that. I don't know. I think we're being a little bit self-righteous. Like, I'm mostly joking because I am who I am. But I think that the way that we are interpreting the world around us is the correct way. and that feels a little self-righteous, but I still think that I'm correct. So I mean, like I'm the first to say like there's so many things that I don't know about. I don't know if a God exists.
1: but like I am self-righteous in the sense that I'm gonna say I I personally am a hundred percent sure to the point of knowing that the Bible is not literally true and that I don't think it was written by God or God inspired. But, like, you're all here for your own reasons, and what have I learned from today's episode? I don't know. I've, I guess I've just learned that, like, I don't know. I don't think we're sniffing our own asses. I don't think we're being self-righteous. I feel like I've learned that, like, I don't need to – I'm not here to prove anything. I'm literally just, like, talking about my own experience, and I'm not here to debate with anyone. And I think a lot of our past podcasts with certain things have been dunking on people to the point where, like, we would want to debate with people and be like, that's so fucking dumb. At the end of the day, I don't have anything to prove because, like, I think that, you know, modern science speaks for itself. And I think that it doesn't speak to a lot of things with spirituality and
0: questions of the divine and where we all came from.
1: I think we just don't know.
0: All of this to say, though, I think that going forward, I still want to sometimes dunk on people because that is just being human. But I don't think we should dunk on an entire religious group because no. that is way too generalizing. But I will if there is an individual person that is a problem like Mark Driscoll, like Ken Ham, well, sometimes we're just going to have to do a good old bitch fest about them. And so I hope you stick around for that. Speaking of dunking on people,
1: we're not going to dunk, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to uplift a certain creator because we have started doing this. I think What's you... the opposite of dunking? Dinking? That sounds dirty. No. We're going to go with uh, we're going to go with just like someone we are choosing to See showcase you. showcase we're gonna showcase someone so who are we showcasing today i mean like we haven't officially done this i've talked about them a lot but Semler. i love oh, yeah you love i similar. love i love similar they were like my number two on spotify this year and they are like who was your number one was a taylor swift yeah it was taylor swift okay but yeah. they're like an ex-vangelical they still would label themselves as a christian but they sing so much about deconstruction and about like respecting and following the person of jesus but like hating all the bullshit that sometimes comes with the evangelical church and so check them out guys they have a podcast called under our roof that they do with their wife and their newest album is called night aches it's really good i have listened to all
0: of it Like, S-E-M-L-E-R. like I said. s-e-m-l-e-r is that S-E-M-L-E-R. s-e-m-l-e-r we'll also link their information in our show notes as well
1: yeah, but like if you look at our You Can't Get to Have a mini skirt playlist on Spotify, which we have on our link tree on Instagram, they are showcased a lot there because so many good songs on deconstruction, love their point of view, and that's the person this week that we're showcasing. Cool.
0: Yeah, we love it. All right. Awesome. That's it. I, th- that I hope it. this is a good episode. Thank you all for listening thus far while we worked all this out in our heads. And we did talk about Noah's Ark for most of it. So that's good. Yeah. Because I feel like we did go off the rails in like a philosophical way today.
1: We're just learning here. And we would love to hear your feedback on Noah's Ark, your journey with it, and
0: mm-hmm. what your thoughts are. So, And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, little that. flirts. Thank you. Love you. Bye-bye. Peace out. Oh, you can get to heaven
1: in a skirt. Cause.